0: FaZe World Podcast helps independent creators live their creative and financial freedom. I'm your host, Fei Wu, and I'll be taking you through a series of interviews with creators from around the world who are living life on their own terms. Each episode is packed with tactics, nuggets you can implement, origin stories to make listening productive and enjoyable. We're not only focused on the more aspirational stories, but relatable ones as well. We also have non-interview-based miniseries releasing throughout the year to help deep dive into topics such as freelancing, marketing, even indie filmmaking that will benefit creators like you. Show notes, links, and ways to connect with the guests are available on phaseworld.com. Now, onto the show. Hey guys, this is Faye from Faye's World Media. Today I'm here with Gustavo Serafini, uh, who I've been friends with, I feel like forever, but officially since the beginning of 2017. Um, when I met him, actually through Seth Godin's l I remember um, that I just found Gustavo really interesting, a great listener, and I decided back then we're going to work on something together. So years later, we have a lot of projects to talk about, but... Today, it's very important. Today is the launch day of our brand new podcast called the Enabled Disabled um, Podcast. We're super proud because Gustavo is the host, not me. So you get to hear from him directly. But before we get started, while Gustavo is smiling and sitting there, I would like to just say that this episode of the Face for a Livestream is sponsored by Restream, a really easy tool for anyone to go live simultaneously on 30 plus platforms. I've been using Restream since the beginning of 2020. I was a customer first before they came on as a sponsor. They're one of the best brands to work with. I learned so much from them and other influencers who are part of their brand. Um, so Maggie, I appreciate that. So I included a link below if you want to give it a shot. Um, they do have a free account, completely free. Honestly, I was on the free account for a long time before switching to the pro account. Um, so that's it. But I know your time is very precious right now on a Sunday afternoon, and this episode means so much to us, but I want it to mean a lot to you as well. If you are a new podcaster, if you're contemplating about starting your own show, have some sort of self doubt fear. This is the right um, conversation for you. Um, but Gustavo also identifies himself as someone with a disability, so this project really extends beyond himself. And we've done um, outreach to so many different guests. And I want you to hear this out. I know it's not always easy to work on projects that has a sense of advocacy. Um, you know, and and and. I think it's so meaningful. And I want you to hear that directly from Gustavo. So welcome, Gustavo. That was a long intro. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. It's always great to see you. Thank you for doing this.
0: All right. You've been on a phase row before, and you're here back uh, for the second time. And we are announcing something so profound. Third, oh, 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 sorry. That's right. Third time. Second time was Vijay uh, with Vijay Miller and Rebecca Tosik, sorry. That was wonderful. And that episode, and I still listen to that all the time, it kind of opened up this wave of opportunities um, for us to be, uh, for for me to be involved in, for Adam to be involved in. Um, what an honor. Tell us about um, the Enabled Disabled podcast and project, please. Why you decide to work on something like this?
1: Okay, thank you. Um, first of all, so as somebody with a disability, um, I feel so lucky. Um, yes, certain parts of my life have been difficult and challenging, but I feel so lucky that I've been given so many opportunities in my life, great education, wonderful parents and friends, um, great support structure. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, you've been pushing me to do this for years as well, and I I really want to give back and participate and be a voice for people with disabilities. I'm trying, if we can change one person's mind on how they perceive us, on how they think of us, one thought leader, one corporate leader, we've done our job. And so that's really the mission of Enabled Disables, is to highlight people's stories, who have how they've adapted in the world, what they're doing, what they're working on, um, and share those stories in the hopes that we can change some minds.
0: Hmm. That's incredible, and you've put that into action already. And you talked very briefly about your a uh, brain, kind of your origin story. But could you tell us a bit about um, your disability, or the disability you identify with?
1: Absolutely. So I was born with multiple disabilities. The primary one is called PFFD. It's proximal focal femoral deficiency. So my femurs are much shorter than most people's. um, And my right hip is fused. So um, I use a a prosthesis on my right leg and a brace on my left leg. I was also only born with one arm. So uh, there's been, I was born in 1976. And when I was born, there were only 12 other documented cases in the world of people like me. So my parents, you know, had a quite a journey to get to the United States and find the right doctors and and help fight for the opportunities to be here today.
0: Mm. And then, you know, this to me, even though I made it sound like we've been talking about this forever and I'm really comfortable talking about disability and disability um, with you, uh, you really open up. That I think just this the space for me and the knowledge and and the words I, I learn to uh, to choose to use when I speak with someone who identify with um, a certain type of disability. But I must say that when we first met, talking about business, you know, we're, we talk about business growth for the company you've been running, which is a phenomenal establishment called um, PureAudioVideo.com for anybody who want to check it out. But we really didn't really talk about disability for the longest time. We met up in person in the summer of 2018. We didn't really talk about it much back then. So I was really hoping um, that at one point, with your trust, I will not only be able to talk about it, but work on something so profound. Uh, So it's a moment for me um, but why do you think you know, I guess with me or with anybody else, um did you choose to avoid the subject or something that you you know what what made you feel like now is the time? And what was that kind of mindset shift uh, like for you? interesting.
1: um i didn't I didn't avoid it. i I did speak to it in certain alt MBA cohorts when it was relevant, and I think that, um, when we met in person in that alt MBA gathering, it was uh, it was there were so many people and it was so open and warm and comfortable and inviting that like it didn't even I felt so so embraced and so accepted right in a in a group of mostly strangers I had never felt that way before
0: mm-hmm. so
1: it I didn't really feel the need that. I needed to usually when I talk about my disability with people, with strangers, either they're asking me or I feel the need to break the ice in order to say, "Okay, I can see that you're a little uncomfortable. I can see that you want to ask me something. Let's let's go through this process together. And then I'm pretty sure that you're going to get comfortable. Mm -hmm. But there was already that comfort level with you, with Adam, with Helena, with, you know, the people that were there. Where it just didn't feel like it was, like if you you know I was open to answering any questions, but it didn't. I did. It wasn't the usual social interaction, so I didn't feel the need to bring it up. Wow. Um, and I think now to answer the second part of your question, I think something that one of our guests, Fernando, said, really struck a chord with me. That you know, two thirds of all people with disabilities in the United States are unemployed. Um, The the third of us who are, have an obligation or a responsibility to say, okay, how can we improve things for the next generation, for the current people? How can we help change those perceptions and grow opportunities? And one way to do that is to talk about it, to tell our stories Mm
0: -hmm. and have
1: people understand that our disabilities don't define us. Yes, they are a very important part of who we are, but they're not the whole picture.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And something that I've been able to learn from you, Gustavo, um, my opportunity with a friend that I feel comfortable and trust and that I can open up conversations, demystify um, disability, and for people who are watching, listening, no matter where you are right now, this that was not a kind of blanket, you know, umbrella statement. We really mean it. We want to hear from people. So if you look at the link in the description below um, on social media, YouTube, wherever you are, um, there's a link called enableddisabled.com. You can learn more about the project. There's a big red button that says you can submit your story. So yes, we're uh, basically accepting stories that are of audio and text or blog format um, so we have a number of episodes already scheduled, uh, recorded and scheduled um, right now. So Gustavo, tell me about how you approach your first cohort or your first, how do we call it like season one guests? Like how how do you distill your questions, your thinking, and actually conduct the outreach? Was it difficult? Was it easy, unexpected?
1: All of the above. Um, It was so, yes, I was really nervous the first time. Um, Thankfully, I knew the person I was interviewing a little bit. We had spent some time together, so that made it a little bit easier. But to me, I approached it I want to learn about the person, I want to have some knowledge of what they're about, what they're doing, what they're working on. And then I think it's like you told me, Faye just use your natural curiosity. About the person, I mm-hmm. like talking to people. I, you know, I've shut plenty of restaurants down in conversation, so I enjoy getting to know people, um, learning more about them. So I'm just activating those natural tendencies
0: mm-hmm. during
1: the interviews. Um, in terms of things that were unexpected, yeah, um, we did an interview on Friday where I was not expecting um, Harley to share as openly and honestly as she shared, and it was. Uh, it was hard, and it was beautiful and it was amazing. And, and you know, you just go with it and, and show your appreciation for another human being who's willing to be vulnerable.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I had the pleasure to listen to your episode number one, which was released today with Dr. B.J. Miller. And there was one segment of that. And by the way, I recommend anyone to listen to this episode. It was just so groundbreaking. I happen to be someone who has interviewed B.J., I don't know, Many, many times in the past, yet I discover so much about him that I didn't know. So thanks to you, Gustavo, who came from such an authentic place, who asked him really challenging questions. But I remember there was an area I think towards the end, you asked, Hey, BJ, is there anything that I haven't asked you, but you want to share? And that was so beautiful because together you echoed the fact that doesn't matter that you know, you now make the topic seems Okay, you've learned a lot, you've uncovered a lot of grounds, but at the same time, you know, the the topic comes with a certain amount of pain, vulnerability. Um, so could you take us to maybe what the pain, what you mean by the pain, what it looks like? Because I don't think a lot of people have a good understanding of what it really means. So we use a lot of imagination in our heads to uh, to think of what it means. But what does it, what does it mean to you as someone? Um, who has a disability?
1: Well, I think there's a there's a lot of sensitivity around the subject and awkwardness around the subject. Um, so it it de- it definitely helps me anyways, interviewing, talking to people with disabilities because I have one. So the first thing is I'm trying to come at it from a place of respect and from a place of curiosity because, I feel these stories are important to share and learn from. Um for me so for me for example when I don't want to give too much away on the BJ conversation but I've had some really different I've had some amazing doctors that I've loved and um cherished that we can talk about and then I've had some really not so good experiences with doctors um where you know they make me feel like I don't know how you function. I don't know how you do what you do. You're a medical marvel. Like, I don't get it. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be able to do anything that you're doing. It doesn't make any sense physiologically. And that's uh my ego is not that big. So I don't, you know, it's and and it's just not true. And it comes from a place of it's very um off-putting, and it feels, you know, or when you have a doctor tell you, boy, so my left leg is stronger than my right leg, right? It's not, I don't have a fused hip. I have more range of motion. When you go to a doctor's office and they tell you, boy, wouldn't it have been great if you had been born with like two left legs instead of your right leg? You know, how do you react to that? Well, sure. It would have been great if I had been born in Michael Jordan's body, I guess too. Like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like what do you, what do you do with that information? Right. Um, And so those are, those are hard conversations that we are, diving into that we're not we are not fearful of those conversations and we are not fearful of sharing those moments. We want to share them mm-hmm. so that we can learn from them and so that we can learn better ways and we can understand each other a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's this is one of those projects that just made me learn so much more about myself as well. Um, and I feel like I grew so much as part of hearing the recordings, arranging the recordings, listening to them, working with my editor, Herman on the actual post-production process. And you know, one thing with with all of this, Gustavo, is that well, you and I, like I, I know we've made this interview sounds pretty official, but there are moments where we're we're just like pausing, we're giggling and thinking, how is this possible? I mean, for, People out there who knows that I've been running this show live stream and before this was just a regular podcast for it was since twenty fourteen. You know, I've had sometimes struggled with having guests booking the appointment and we have a single link, Calendly or Acuity booking. It takes so many back and forth, and there are moments from your guests, Gustavo, that we've had several guests who um, are quadriplegic um, and who were able to book these interviews, by the way, with photos, um, bios, links, uh, complicated process within 30 minutes or less of me sending the link. And it was done beautifully. They answer every single question. yet I, you know, I personally struggle with the word ableism as well. So these so-called able-bodied people including myself are somehow struggling with the most basics of technologies. Like how do you interpret? How do you process this? Cuz please help us.
1: I don't. People are busy, people are you know doing what they're doing. I mean, I think with what we've seen from so many of the guests so far which has been it feels so good um is that they're honored they they're like they're they're happy to tell their story. They're honored that to be on the show. I'm honored to have them on the show. And there's a sense of we're actually doing something important. We're doing something that matters. These stories need to be told. And so they're jumping at the opportunity when they hear about it. And and just like in their regular lives, if they really want something, you know, nothing's going to stop them. Not technology. Not you know, whatever constraints they have in their lives, they're just going to go and do it because they want to do it. And it's been really surprising at how many people, how many of these guests, um, I mean, even BJ, who's super famous, he's been on every show under the sun pretty much. Right. I mean, he's been at the height of Oprah Winfrey, like how do you, it doesn't get bigger than that. Um, Mm -hmm was so was so gracious and so happy and so uh thankful to be on the show. I mean, what do you say to that except the honors ours.
0: Mm-hmm. And and
1: I I do want to point something out to Faye and ask you a question. Oh, please do. The way the working with you has been amazing. It has been a joy. I feel like it's not it's enabled, disabled, you know, I'm on, I'm on the the cover, but it's, I feel like you and Adam are just as critical components of the show. I feel like we are a team, we're united, we're working really well together. Um, what made you say yes to doing all this work and taking a chance on something that who knows what's going to happen?
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's so great. Thank you. What a great question. I was going to say, yeah, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to produce a podcast for everybody who's interested. (laughs) Love to podcasting, but man, it's so much work. It's endless. Um, You know, the other day I was walking, sometimes I take walks by myself, listening to, to music. And Gustavo, I must admit that between this project, which is about disability enabling people, the community, and I think beyond, I think enabling able-bodied people as well. And another project I'm working on is for childhood cancer. Um, it is incredible. I have so much to say about that. Um, childhood Cancer Hall of Champions, thanks to another shout out to another ELTA um alum. Um, and, you know, and palliative care because of Dr. B.J. Miller. This triangle and maybe some other aspects of these projects made me feel like my my life and my being is really quite fulfilled. It makes me feel like my life has um, so many different meanings. What has meaning in general than what I thought it was possible. Working for Fortune 500 companies, the house I'm living in, the brands or the brands I'm wearing, none of this really matters. But when you as a one-person team, as a three-person team, three, three people, just the three of us, can reach out to so many people, and put a smile on their faces. And who knows, Gustavo, I hope that, you know, with no pressure, I hope you do this for a very, for a long, long, long time. And I hope you do this, you continue to interview other people, um, build this platform when you're 85, 90, 100. I mean, that will be just an incredible outcome for me. And I want to be able to um, be on this journey with you as long as I want. I don't know how many people can, can actually say that about, the projects they're on, and um, I, you know, I think it's it's a bit of an elaboration. Elaboration, as you know, I don't have kids. I love kids. I don't have kids, and I I hear about this thing from parents all the time, right? Like they um, kind of they they have all their hope and hopes and dreams, um, like kind of embedded in their children. They're so happy to see everything. I sort of feel the same way about our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> About it's like every person who joins, my mom knows. My mom sees me running downstairs, and I'll be talking to her breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, it, 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 she she's still today, we've been on this for two months. Today, she's like an hour, she's like, Oh, I feel so profoundly fulfilled by this. And she's just an observer, you know. That's uh, amazing, yeah, man. It's such a love. We, it, I can't even fake this kind of love fest. It's just the, the amount of joy that I've seen us seen you bring to other people. And um, wow, there's really no word for it. And I'm we're trying to invent these words, trying to find this perfect moment. I mean, how does it feel like, what does it feel to you viscerally? I mean, I, I get texts a lot from you lately and I, I'm not going to repeat, but I want to <laughs> ask you. <laughs> You're uh, blissed out. I mean, what is it? How does it feel in your body right now thinking about working on this project? Versus before, what's the difference?
1: It's felt real for a while. Um, right now, it feels more real. It feels like we're launching; it's official. Now we're here. We can we can kind of you know put our stake on the ground and say, this is who we are, and we can grow that you know, or we can. If you think of it, I like the the gardening analogy. We're starting a garden and it's going to grow in a whole bunch of ways. Some of them are going to be expected and some of them are not. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I'm so curious and so interested and so excited to see where we can take this and how much of an impact it can have on people. Uh, so yeah, just excitement, um, disbelief, lots of hope. And uh, I want to be doing this for a long time too. Uh, you know, eight, Hundred years old? Who knows? But let's uh, let's take it. Let's take it a day at a time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that, I think that would be great. You know, if we, um, as mentioned, you know, if Helena is watching this, a bunch of our friends said that we're going to grow old together. Um, you know, if we end up having kids or no kids or whatever, a bunch of us from VA and people who believe in the same things will grow old together. I hope in old people homes. Uh, in retirement homes, we'll still have our microphones and our laptop computers and uh, young people teaching us, training us how to do this. But yeah, keep growing the show will be just incredible. Could you give us a, I know you don't wanna give away so many of the conversations that have already happened, but give us an idea of some of the people you've interviewed and maybe just like some snippets into you know who they are. Why should people subscribe, follow your show? Um, who are these guests coming up in the next eight to 10 weeks? you know, every Sunday?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, there's world famous Dr. BJ Miller. um, And we get to hear a side of him that he hasn't shared before. And I think with with the more well-known guests, that's really going to be my goal is to approach them from a different angle so that they're not just as powerful and amazing as their stories are, I don't want to recycle that story again. I want to, I want to help our audience learn something new about them of, you know, another, another piece of the puzzle of what makes them who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we have goodness, Christina Ryan, just an unbelievable advocate out in Australia, disability rights advocate. She's been an advocate for, for uh, women. She's been on the United Nations uh, just Unbelievable. She comes from a family of advocates, right? So again, having having a conversation with her about her work, about what she uh what she's learned, how we can help um the dis the the community of people with disabilities, mm-hmm. it was incredible. Um, I learned so much from her. I felt like I told you this on text message, I felt like destiny tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, are you ready? Um it was it was mind blowing uh all the guests have been incredible um amanda heal also from australia motivational speaker uh you know uh we've had several really interesting guests who are vision imp- have a, some type of vision impairment
0: mm-hmm. fernando
1: alberto albertorio who's technologist inventor unbelievable entrepreneur one of the smartest people i've met Uh, We had a great conversation about how, about a bunch of things, but really we, we dove into how we can help more assistive technology get out there. What some of the constraints were, why, why more of it isn't being developed. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a huge need for it. Viola from Alt MBA, who we both met, what, six months ago. Mm
0: -hmm. She's,
1: yes, she's amazing. Amazing human being. One of the super smart a uh, great YouTube channel, The Ginchiest, and again, another interesting conversation. I, I'm still thinking about what her experience was working for the bank as an HR specialist um, and how we can help corporations better understand and accommodate for people with disabilities. And, and really, that's, that's I think, another another key highlight, right, in all the conversations what are the things that people with disabilities bring to the table that other people don't know about, mm-hmm. right? It's problem-solving skills. It's empathy. It's the, the ability to think outside the box, to say, okay, how, how are we going to accomplish this when we can't do it in the quote-unquote regular way? Mm-hmm. Um, so what, how have they adapted to their constraints in their lives? They've all, they've all done so differently um and you learn something from each conversation.
0: Mm. Amen. I mean, when I saw when I joined your conversation for example with Ryan recently, um uh, real estate uh what do you call it? real estate agent or realtor from South Florida. Realtor, yeah. And I saw you know Ryan is quadriplegic and he was so delicately kind of using basically using his very minimum movement using his nose. And there was a pair of uh, glasses where he uses to control Google Homes, Alexa, and he had no trouble uh, booking the appointment. Um, very, The whole thing just feels very seamless. So open my eyes to a lot of things. And because Gustavo, you and I started talking about like furniture at home, different um, uh, kind of assistive devices and how they're, some of them are poorly designed. And really, when you think about um, so much of what, what we're going through every single day, you know, as people without a certain type of disability, we simply don't think about it and we don't appreciate um, the environment around us, which are primarily probably designed by people without disabilities. And, uh, you know, I still remember my conversation recently with you, Gustavo, like if you're comfortable talking about it, you know, I, I ask about the opportunity to maybe develop a YouTube channel with you so that you can show um, people of a certain disability, how you're able to adapt. We talked about people diagnosed with cancer, and part of I didn't realize this before, you know, amputation is part of a certain type of um, cancer diagnosis. And how do people adapt with that transition? And you know, I ask you, like, for example, how do you put on a jacket easily? and as a result you know i started experimenting it myself and i couldn't get anything done for example with a single hand and and you smile and you say, oh that's super easy let me show you five ways to get it done like could you talk to us about that if, yes um, we're we're
1: yeah. we're definitely going to do that we're definitely going to do that and kika is going to help us out with that too so um she is a massage therapist and she's also certified in muscle activation and she helps uh, train me and take care of me. And, and, uh, so yeah, we're going to do videos on, you know, how to put on some different strategies on how to put on a jacket with one arm, right? Because I had to learn, um, how to do that. And there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Or how do you, how do you row with one arm on a row machine? Or how do you, you know, like we're going to explore a bunch of different, bunch of different aspects of that. And one of our guests too, recently, Linda, who's, uh, a martial artist who had a, has a disability now. And, and, you know, I think it'd be great to show videos with her cane and, you know, how we can, how we can do uh, maybe some Tai Chi to help loosen muscles up and strengthen muscles. So I I think there's a whole range of videos that we can do that we will be doing Mm -hmm. um, that I'm excited about. Absolutely.
0: Mm. That, I think that's super exciting. Do you, by the way, do you still remember when you had to learn these skills? Do you remember being, I don't know, three, four years old and have to kind of consume and learn everything all at once? Or was it more of a, like a gradual process for you?
1: It was It was a gradual process. So when I was young, you know, uh, I would, I could put on a shirt pretty easily, but, you know, my parents had to help me get dressed for a while. Then you start to learn you know, gradually how to do it yourself. Um, and you, occupational therapists helped with that. Um, just trial and error helped with that. I mean, putting on a jacket, I grew up in California, so I didn't have to use a jacket all that often, but when I did go to Chicago for graduate for undergrad, um, that was, that was trial and error. Okay. You know, do I have to kind of Rip the other side of the jacket with my mouth. Do I have to? You know, how do I do it? So it was it was awkward for a while until you practiced it and you tried out different things and you thought about it. Like, um, okay, what if I zip the jacket up before I put it on? Mm -hmm. At least you know it doesn't have to be all the way, but part of the way. That's really easy to do, and I that's made it made it easy. Or if I'm leaning, so I don't have a right arm, right? So if I'm leaning up against a wall on my right side, that part of the jacket isn't going anywhere. So it's a lot easier to, to zip it. Wow. So it, there was trial, a lot of trial and error, yeah.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. And you mentioned that, uh, that I'm learning so much more about you in the past year or so. Let me just open this up to people who are listening, who are watching. You also have coached basketball. You play tennis for hours. I know I have not played tennis for hours. You go swimming uh, on a regular basis. Could you tell us about that, like how you're able to uh, adapt to these sports and what you had to learn to uh, pick them up or or, you know perform to a certain level?
1: So interesting. So we we talked about this some with Dan James, who was a that was another great interview. He he was the U.S. Paralympic coach for uh, wheelchair tennis, Mm -hmm. and sports for me was. Not just something that I loved as a, as a kid, but it was it helped me participate. It helped me um, show people that I that I belonged. I remember when I was in the second grade, I went to an amazing school and there was uh, two sports that they played there. It was a small private school in California called Walden. And um, I think there was like second through fourth grade, fifth grade maybe. And there was a girl there who was a fifth grader. We played handball and we played tetherball. Those were the, that was basically the sports on the playground that everybody played. I was sitting there first day at school. I'm nervous. Like, do I, I don't know how to Never played handball. And it was this fourth, fourth or fifth grade girl. She was like super athletic. Um, she was kind of like the leader of the, of the playground. And she was just like, you're going to play and we're going to give you two bounces. And like, they can't hit the ball over your head. And that's how, and that's how I started to learn to play handball. But she like, she said, no, Gustavo, you're going to play like, just like everybody else is, you know, this wasn't like teachers directing it. This was just a bunch of school kids on the playground. And she taught me how to play handball and she taught me how to play tetherball, and and I played it and I loved it. So sports was a way to participate, to learn, to grow, um, to call out some very famous names, I went to Magic Johnson's basketball camp when I was young, and I have a picture with them. I went to Byron Scott's basketball camp when I was young, and they never said no. They never said, oh, you have a disability. You, you don't belong here. You can't play. No, they accepted me. They said, yes, you play basketball. Great. Here's the age group. Let's play. Let's mm-hmm. let's get better. Let's love the game. Um, I got into coaching basketball because there was a, a coach at Magic Johnson's basketball camp who said, look, Gustavo, you're shorter than the other kids. It's great that you love the game of basketball. But if you want to participate as you get older competitively, you should coach.
0: Mm. And,
1: and I did. And it was an amazing experience. But again, sports for me equaled participation mm. and, and acceptance
0: participation and acceptance. It wasn't just like a competitive play. It's not that you're trying to, you know, for, for a lot of us, I think when it comes to sports, at least from my memories, growing up in a kind of a very competitive society in general, um, you know, height was very important. I was pretty good at basketball, but they would never put me on the team because I'm 5'4 and all the other kids were at least 5'7, 5'8. Um, there were, I feel they were, a lot of kind of excuses and requirements that are kind of, I had to navigate around as well. But my God, compared to your story, I feel like there was nothing uh, really for me to to avoid or to say no to. Um, what was it like at Magic Johnson's camp for you to be, when they say, hey, come on over and let's do this? Wasn't like a way of negotiating with you, like Gustavo. Do you think you can handle this? Like, you sure you're gonna be okay? I didn't hear any of those like type of languages. Like, was it empowering to you? Was it? What what, what did it? How did it feel? I mean, look, they they
1: had a. It was all day for I think it was a week. So yeah, it was really tiring. It was really fatigued. I come home with blisters, you know, and and all that. But it was so much fun, Um, and I was doing something I loved. And so yeah, they helped out like, okay, so Gustavo, you know, do you want to, you know, I ran the lines like the other kids, but sometimes they'd make you run, you know, go run two laps around the track to warm up. I didn't have to do that. That was okay. I didn't feel less accepted because of that, or because there was a chair there. If I needed a little bit more rest than somebody else, Mm -hmm. you know, they made little adaptations that still made me feel like I was a part of the group. Like I didn't, I never felt left out. I never felt um, different. If anything, I was, I was uh, appreciated and and celebrated.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. Love it. And lastly, I wanted to ask you about swimming and I swear, I won't keep probing every single sport. And I'm, you know, I love sports myself Uh, and gives me a whole bunch of joy and kind of takes me away from, Working in digital marketing, which is another amazing reason. But when it comes to swimming, it's something that you do regularly now. And we only started the conversation of how you're able to swim. Like, um, for people who are watching this, like, you know, if they know someone uh, who identify with a certain type of disability and think that swimming is completely out of the question, um, what are I mean, it was different types of strokes, the different styles. Like, how do you go about swimming?
1: Right. So when I was young. Uh, we were in a, I always loved the water, but I didn't know how to swim yet. I was really young. Uh, I must've been first grade, something like that. Um, we were playing at the pool and, uh, my brother pushed me off the step, not for any, like, it wasn't a mean thing. It was just boys playing, boys playing. Right. And I didn't know how to swim and I almost drowned. And I think some lady like jumped into the water and, and, you know, got me in time. And the next day my parents were like, okay, it's time to learn how to swim. So I went to the YMCA, local YMCA, and just unbelievable uh, teacher there, instructor. She taught me how to swim. And then she said, guess what? Why don't you join the swim? Why don't you join the swim group and compete? And I did. And I got third place in the backstroke. And you know, there was my name in the paper. There was a reporter there who you know, put me on the paper, but so I I swim backstroke. I swim freestyle. I swim butterfly. I don't do well with the breaststroke. Um, but swimming has always been once I learned. I loved it. So I would I would encourage people to go to the YMCA or um, find a swimming instructor because you never know. Just because it looks different, look at the Paralympic swimmers. They have all kinds of different disabilities and they're still swimming. Or there's an 84-year-old gentleman who swims here in the pool in my building, and he had major back injuries and rotator cuff injuries, and he can only swim the breaststroke, but he's unbelievable, and he and he does it, you know, five times a week. It's great exercise, and you don't know if you don't try.
0: Could you tell us about that story, I think, with this gentleman and the trophy? Do you mind sharing that? I love that no, story. No, not at all.
1: So yeah I mean so he's uh he's a competitive swimmer he he's he competes in the masters events and uh he started talking to me kind of slowly here and there and and one day he said, i'm gonna give you a gift and I was you know taken aback. I said, okay, great, thank you so much <laughs> and and the next time he saw me, he brought uh one of the medals that he'd won at an event and said, i I'd, I'd like to give you this medal It's just like you know you're you're strong in the water, and you, you haven't given up, and just keep. You know, he's one of those people that believes in positivity and and resilience and and grit, and he sees that in the pool, and he just wanted to honor that, and it was it was beautiful.
0: Mm. I just love that story, um, but so many others as well. I think, you know, I experience what you're. In a way, what you're going through, what you're living through in this moment, kind of vicariously living through you. So a couple of examples I want to bring up. And, you know, one is, I believe, is from American Idol about a young woman. Um, I hope she's watching this at some point because we really want to get her on the show. Um, And for anybody else who's watching this, by the way, you do not necessarily have to be the person who identify with a disability, but you can also be a contributor. Um, This may be a cause that you care about, you know someone who who does. Um, But uh, I would love to take a moment to talk about the American Idol woman, as well as um, Crib Camp. So, uh, which we watched recently together, sharing uh, with each other. Um, Tell us about um, that woman what did you learn? What did you see from her ex- from her? You're talking about
1: you're talking about uh, Mandy Harvey?
0: Yes, I think so. Yes, yes.
1: um I mean, so she is remarkable. Uh, she's also the, uh, I think the brand ambassador for not impossible labs. So hey, if you know, if Mick Ebling's listening, you know, we would love to meet her. um she wanted to be a musician her whole life. And, uh, when she went to, she got accepted into a music school in college and she lost her hearing that same year. And she taught herself how to sing again, even without being able to hear. So I looked at that story on, on YouTube and, and, uh, I was just blown away again, grit, perseverance, termination, um, and her selflessness to say, I think she said it in one of the McEbling interviews where she said, I, I don't sing for myself. I can't even hear myself sing anymore. I'm singing for the people that are listening to me who can appreciate and who can be touched and inspired by what I'm doing.
0: Mm-hmm. How, how did you, uh, how did that make you feel? Um, yeah. How did you feel listening to her sing and like learning about her story?
1: To me, people, people like, like Mandy or there's somebody that we haven't talked about too that I, I would really, um, uh, Maddie Stepanek, he passed away many, many years ago, but his mother, Jenny, is still alive. So when you, when you see someone, when I see someone like that, I, it does two things for me. It reminds me of who I am. Um, and it gives me hope for the person that I want to be. So it, it it brings me back to myself and I get to recenter myself. And then it inspires me to say, okay, what else can I do? How much more can I contribute? How much better of a human being can I be? Um, that's what it does. That's how I feel. So it's 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 inspirational in in the best way possible, not, not a cheap thrill inspiration. Like, wow, look at that person. I'm glad I have it so much better. No, it's more like this person is like me a lot like me. Um, How can I actually improve what I'm doing to, to help other people the way they've, the way they've helped me. Mm -hmm.
0: One thing I think can sound very sensitive to a lot of people is and a lot of people do wonder about this, you know, did you ever, uh, for a moment and think, you know, uh, this is unfair. Uh, why does, why me? Or, you know, did you ever have feelings like that?
1: Of course, of course. Um, Not when I was young. It was more in the teenage, you know, uh, end of high school into college years where you're, for me, it was self-discovery and awareness and being exposed to, like, I remember my first year of college. I wasn't sure if I wanted to tell this story, but I'm going to tell this story. So first year of college uh, at the University of Chicago, I'm in a class called Human Being and Citizen. And I don't know why the debate started, but it started. There was a kid from really smart, I don't remember his name, really smart guy um, from one of the science academies who basically flat out said in class, everyone with a disability is a waste to society. They're a burden and they should be, we should commit genocide on them. Like they don't belong here. And I think every single person in that classroom were like froze and looked at me and was like, are you going to, you know, with that, like, are you going to say something? Are you going to stand up for yourself? Are you going to react? And I didn't, I didn't say anything. I was one shocked to um, didn't trust myself to actually have an intelligent discussion when the reaction was, wow, I would love to, you know, I would love to kick the crap out of this kid. Um, so I didn't say anything. And then of course there were some other smart people in the class who defended the other side, but to be exposed to that, sure, you, you think all those thoughts and I, and I didn't want to shy away from that because if I did that, I wouldn't really examine myself fully. Right. I had to go through those sentiments for me. Um, to be authentic. Otherwise, I'm just, I'm just faking it. Like If I don't have those thoughts, if I don't internalize those thoughts and deal with them in my way, then then I haven't developed as a human being. That's how I saw it.
0: Mm. Well, I hope if that person, first of all, he does not sound very smart to me at all, um, but if he's ever listening to this or come across this project, uh, yeah. I think the debate is on, uh, so definitely join us. And, you know, it worries me at the same time, but it also interests me to know that they're the things you hear and the things you don't hear. They're people who vocalize how they feel about the situation and those who don't. Um, you know, this is a different, almost feels like a different pivot as you and I were exploring on YouTube for the different channels, that you know kind of celebrate people with disabilities and we came across a lot of channels that happen to have couples in them and in particular uh you know the so-called uh, you know people a person with disability and a person without and i i feel like i saved this part for you know 50 minutes after we started recording but to me it was very shocking to read some of the comments i want to kind of hear your interpretation and what you got out of it because as you know, on YouTube, anything goes. So anything, anybody with anything on their minds, they they were not really afraid to, to say it, especially people with like these fake accounts or who don't identify um, to reveal their identity. And part of me for a moment, I felt like, oh my God, just the people that who are judging people who are together with and without disability reminds me of people in a, a, a mixed race marriage almost. There's so much, uh, especially the negativity against it, like- how could you? You walk down the street, you can, you know, maybe walk through Chinatown in some parts, but not anymore. But, you know, even other parts of, um, uh, you know, areas where people don't see this as a, a, a possibility or it's not accepted. Um, and there's fear in their eyes, very, there's the extreme discomfort. <laughs> so, how, how did he hit you And when you're talking about when you were younger versus now? like, I mean, I think, so
1: one of the, I don't know, unfortunate is probably not the right word, but one of the, about my background, right, is I never really had a lot of interaction with other people with disabilities. So um, it's unfortunate in the sense because Now, in retrospect, it would have been it would have been great to have been exposed to those communities more.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, But I was always the only one or one of the only ones. I I know like in University of Chicago is pretty big school. I'm sure there were other people there with disabilities. I just never saw any of them. Um, And for me. um, I've had I've had. Girlfriends uh, who were not disabled. I'm super open to dating people who are or are not like that doesn't matter. That's not the important point. Um, I feel like there's a lot of those people out there, like in my school who think that we're a burden, who think that we don't belong, who think that, you know, why would somebody without a disability ever be with somebody with a disability? I'm sure there's tons of people who think that. Um, I wish that, Those YouTube channels wouldn't even focus on that so much um, because, for me, at least for me, it's it's irrelevant who uh, you know who I'm with or who I'm not with or they're with me for the reasons they're with me and we don't I don't need to share that with anybody. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have a different reaction. Like maybe it's still old school where your your dating life is private and you know your work is something else, Uh, but. I've seen, um, people with disabilities who were with people that weren't, and they seemed accepted and they seemed fine. And there was, uh, you know, I didn't judge them and I I hope there's more of that to come because, uh, it doesn't, there's a lot of reasons for it, Faye, but how does it make me feel? I have mixed feelings about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think, um, we need more openness, and we we need to have more of those conversations. Uh, but at the same time, there's an element of it that's private that is between you and that person.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And uh, I'm on one hand, I'm really thrilled to see there's so many channels on YouTube and YouTube-like platforms um, that now have these shared conversations. But when you look at the fuller scope of the types of topics and and channels, um, Topics around disability, it's still a very, very small subset of um, the world of, you know, uh, content creation. So, unfortunately, I think, unfortunately, they're starting, but unfortunately, I feel like it doesn't, it's not all encompassing, and it's a little bit, you know, single dimensional, um, and uh, the focus is rather narrow, but I think it, at some point it will be normalized in a way that people will actually focus on the bigger picture as opposed to the, the differences. Um And I, you know, I I think people who are so concerned about these relationships and people with disabilities uh, have a lot more fear, have a lot of uncertainties, self-doubts that they need to manage on their own first. So um, I definitely would encourage them to go down that path first. With that said, I mean, we are approaching the hour, but I know that there are a couple of areas that we talk about learning, acceptance, pick up new skills, but one thing we haven't really talked about which which is podcasting H- having gone through so much uh in your life you know adaptation and uh and dealing with these people unfortunately here is podcasting you're, you're putting yourself out there your voices out there and the people who decide to come along their voices out there as well uh what are some of the challenges you have experienced as an interviewer or delights perhaps like what is that learning curve like for you because for people who don't know you haven't been like a platform speaker for the past 20 years you're not really like a you're not quite a speaker yet but we all know that's on the horizon so um what's that what's that like as an interviewer
1: so again for me i think i i draw on my experience coaching where I had to speak in front of a team, in front of the team with parents, sometimes in front of you know where you're in a in a packed uh, high school gym. So projecting my voice, having something to say, um, comes. I've been I've been through that. Um, I also go back to my law school experience where I you know I really loved doing moot court, kind of like arguing in front of judges and where they taught you really to over-prepare. So for me, probably, I know you've been, you've been telling me not to kind of, you know, don't worry about spending, you know, five hours preparing for an interview or whatever it is, but I I like to prepare for those interviews. I like to put myself in the right mindset before an interview, um, you know, for probably two hours before the interview um that's mostly what's on my mind i'm clearing i'm clearing my head and creating space for those conversations to happen so um i think it's just drawing on those experiences has has made it easier mm-hmm. um the delight is again when people share things that you don't expect them to and you get to see where it goes and where to take it from there um it has been yeah you know, again so it's not easy conversation but it it's not fun either if it's easy. So I, mm-hmm. I accept the challenge and I want to see I want to see where where we can go with it.
0: Yeah. What about um, we have several guests who may be opening up and talking about this for the first time, you know, publicly or being interviewed as a podcast guest for the first time. By the way, for podcasters out there, I highly encourage you to reach out to people in with us, billies because they have such unique, such interesting stories and life stories to share with you. Um, definitely don't exclude them. And, uh, but Gustavo, there are guests, I, I found it kind of challenging to find their backstory, find their origin stories, because, you know, they, they some of them haven't been blogging, you know, they're, uh, unlike BJ, who like you said, spoken on 300 different um, podcasts. How do you go about researching them? Or, or just, do you have an open mind, go in, just kind of see where it flows, where it goes?
1: Both. So some of them you can find on, you know, social media, right? LinkedIn, Facebook, Mm-hmm. Um some of them have youtube channels. Uh some of them we talk to ahead of time for a little bit just to get to know them a little and see who see who they are and what they're about and get a sense of their story. Mm-hmm. Um those things all help you book a 20 minute call with them ahead of time and kind of feel it out a little bit and then the other part is trusting uh trusting in the process and the conversation and um, you taught me right. There's some there's general general questions that are just segues into deeper conversations that you can ask anybody that are there. Mm-hmm. And and also listening to other interviews and listening to other podcasters. I've been listening to podcasts for years. Uh, you know whether it's Phase World or Tim Ferriss or James Altucher or you know just the the litany of of podcasts, great podcasts out there. You learn how, how do they ask Mm -hmm. questions? How do they talk Mm -hmm. to their, to their, to their guests, which, Mm -hmm. which interviews were really, really good and which ones kind of fell a little flat. Mm -hmm. So it's just engaging with podcasting as an art form and trying to get better at it.
0: Mm -hmm. Wonderful. All right. I'm going to do a slight pivot here. Um, uh, because I think it's there's one area we haven't covered and I encourage you to as you know the question you ask to everybody but I would say there's one area we haven't kind of delved into that is for companies and and people who are listening to this uh who do you want to hear from what are some sort of uh what are the the type of maybe contribution help that we're looking for or how we want to might want to get involved with the type of companies out there. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Maybe they can reach out to us and collaborate and partner um, on something.
1: Sure. I mean, there's a number of possibilities there. Um, one, I think it would be great to have a company sponsor the show, maybe a company that's working on assistive technology or is more open to assistive technology, um, I'm thinking Microsoft, I'm thinking uh, Nike with their new fly shoe that they came out with, where they actually um, in their design process had someone with a disability help them to des- design that shoe. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's great opportunities there, but i'm I'm also interested in, and I, I should say we're also interested in exploring, you know how can we change Company culture, just a little bit, to say like, how can we uh, maybe provide some additional training or some some ideas as to you know why you should be hiring more people with disabilities, what you should be looking out for, how you should be approaching uh, those potential uh, employees and workers to make sure mm-hmm. that they give them a better chance to succeed in your company. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's so much potential there that that's untapped. Mm. Have I missed something there that that we've been talking about? Because I know we've been talking about a lot of things.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is important. You know, we are now kind of uh, co-launching the show, and we talked about there's so many different ways to contribute and to kind of step in by referring guests, referring yourself to share your own stories, but other stories as well for companies to get involved, to sponsor an episode, to sponsor the project. We have very reasonable rates, at the moment, we have launched one episode already, but there are, you know, more than 10 in the can or releasing on a regular basis. This is a niche podcast, I will admit, which means, you know, we are well targeted um, in terms of the audience we're going after. But also, you know, anybody who is interested in just learning more, you you might not even know someone with a disability, you don't have any family members or friends with a disability. But this is a, a subject I think we all need to learn because, um, you know according to CDC I think you know 25 percent of uh, Americans uh, have some sort of uh, disability and that is a that is a much bigger number plus I think a really mature conversation when it comes to that you know as we age as we get older as we're diagnosed with a certain illness you know I think disability is a, a, ahead of all of us. Uh, why don't we learn something about it now you know we um, same thing. We talk about palliative care and death isn't something that we could, it can be completely avoided. So I think we need to be more knowledgeable and more accepting. Um, yeah. Cause that I take us off track or anything else Not we should, all. uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So this is really wonderful. Is there anything that we haven't talked about? I know I jumped around a bit, but I really want people to hear your story, um,
1: I know you mentioned you mentioned Crip Camp that we didn't really talk about. Is there something that you wanted to, to bring up about that?
0: Sure. First of all, Gustavo and I would like to interview everybody in the show. So uh, we're going to go through IMDb and just conduct literal outreach to every single person from top to bottom. So if you guys know anybody... Anyone you feel interesting when you have watched the show, let us know in the comments below. But uh, Gustavo, what, a, what, what are some of the key takeaways? Why should people watch that documentary if they haven't already?
1: Well, for me, it was, again, I it just learning about the disability rights movement in the United States. So many things that I didn't know about. Uh, to me, there were certain elements that were difficult to watch. Some of it was hilarious um, a lot of it was, again, deeply inspirational. Um, I mean, how can you, for me, how can I not, you know, if I ever meet any of those people, how can I not just thank them for everything they've done, all the, the, the sacrifice, the fighting, the activism, uh, we, I wouldn't be here today without them. And so to me, at least partially it's, 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 uh, I would like to communicate that gratitude, um, mm-hmm. for, for everything that they've done in their life.
0: Yeah. Highly recommend guys. I mean, it's, a. Uh, executive producers, I believe is, uh, Barack and Michelle Obama. And, uh, and it's just, a. it's an incredible project. Uh, it's a film. Definitely. There are many delights as well. There are moments that are uh, just hilarious and it's just so funny, so human And uh, I think it brings us closer. And I have such high hope for this project, also for this podcast, Gustavo, because I realized that, you know, for me, who have lived here in the U.S. for 20 years and prior 17 years prior to that in China, I must say that I've had the opportunity to bring a lot of my friends to China. Some of them just went on their own, but every person who came back to the States and said, wow, now... I know so much more about China, the people, the culture, even the the even the politics, the mundane stuff, so different than what I have learned through mass media here in the States or Europe, anywhere else. I get to know the people, why they're lovely. And and I realize, you know what? It just I, I hope that this show, this project opens up doors for people to experience disability in a really authentic way. And um I, I I mean, I, yeah,
1: also, just it was great to see uh, people with disabilities on camera. We don't get to see that very often, and that was refreshing. and you know, maybe maybe we can help inspire uh, that next storyteller, right? Where are the characters who are strong and smart and interesting? Uh, with disabilities? Where where are they in, in Hollywood? Where are they in our media? Where are they in our books? Mm-hmm. Um, not, to, not to spoil it for people who haven't seen the show, but I mean, there's one show that I can think of that actually had main characters who had disabilities. Um, re- fairly recently, mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, right? Super popular show. Uh, lots of people watched it two of the main characters had disabilities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kudos to George R.R. R. Martin for doing that, but we need more of that. We need more people with disabilities as strong, interesting, mm-hmm. inspiring characters.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well said. And there's a lot to reflect on that. I'm so glad, Gustavo, that you joined me in this conversation because at some point of listening to... 10 or a dozen conversations of you interviewing the guests. There's more of me, I think also the listeners for your show thinking, I wanna learn more about the host. I wanna know more about Gustavo. Um, So this becomes the opportunity for us to kind of reflect and come together, uh, knowing each other for so long, but really get to some of the juicy details. Um, I really, really appreciate that. And I absolutely love to bring you back again maybe after we release season one, after we release 10, 12 episodes, um, and then see what else you know we have learned. And this is uh, it's just a phenomenal project for for both of us, for everyone involved. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I would welcome that, Faye. I'm looking forward to it. It's always, it's always a joy. Yeah. And it's always, it's always an honor to be on Faye's World.
0: Thank you. And for everyone who's watching, links below, we do have a, a group on Facebook which is called meet each other. And if you search for meet each other, enable disabled, you're gonna find the page, the group, and we welcome you to submit your stories and subscribe to our show. And uh, yeah, there are, there are a lot of really incredible stories coming your way and uh, hope that will brighten your day as well to kind of see the, um, all the possibilities that you have in your life. Um, thank you so much for watching. I'm gonna take us offline now, bye. This episode of the Face World podcast is brought to you by Face World LLC, our marketing service agency created for independent creators and businesses. We offer website development, video production, marketing mentorship to people who want to tell better stories, level up and create a profitable brand. Face World podcast team, our chief editor and producer, Herman Cevallos, associate producer, Adam Leffert, social media and content manager, Rose de Leon transcript editor Alina Ahmidova, and lastly myself, the creator and host of Phase World. Thank you so much for listening.